Hey, we're back. This is Joe and TJ from the Schoolhouse 302, and you're listening to our Focus Ed podcast. Focus Ed is your educational leadership podcast. In every episode, it's our mission to focus on one aspect of teaching and leading in school so that you can make progress in your district, school, or classroom with even more knowledge, better understanding, and a clear direction on what to do next for your students and staff. In each show, we ask an expert guest to join us and we dissect their work and tons of other information about leading better and growing faster in schools. We're only doing 14 episodes per school year and we hope you'll listen to all 14. The guest list is incredible. Don't miss a single show and do us a favor. Please like, share, and follow Focus Ed on SoundCloud, iTunes, and our website, theschoolhouse302.com. And now for another episode of Focus Ed. Each episode of Focus Ed, we invite expert guests to join us. And this episode, we have Janelle McLaughlin with a focus on her book, Leadership at Every Level. Welcome to the show, Janelle. Thanks so much. We are thrilled to have you. We want to hear what you have to say about the five qualities of effective classroom, school, and district leaders, and really just things we can take away from your and this conversation. TJ, why don't you tell our audience a bit more about Janelle? Sure thing, Joe. Thanks for that. Janelle McLaughlin is an education consultant, presenter, coach, keynote speaker, and trainer. Over the years, she has been a classroom teacher and district administrator. Today, Janelle is also an entrepreneur, author, social media strategist, and tech geek. She would love to geek out on Google Drive workflow solutions. Maybe we'll do that as a subsequent podcast with you here, Janelle. These passions and experiences led her to begin her own company called Innovative Education Solutions. We will link to that in the show notes. She gets to use her teaching talents by working with schools and other businesses to make their jobs easier and more efficient while focusing on the people. Specialties include blended learning, one-to-one implementation, technology integration, G Suite, Chromebooks, process management, and organizational leadership. Her new book is called Leadership at Every Level, Five Qualities of Effective Classroom, School, and District Leadership. All right, Janelle, we're going to jump right in. Your book, Leadership at Every Level, it highlights the five qualities of effective classroom, school, and district leadership. We want to start there. Can you tell us about these five qualities, how you arrived at them, and maybe a little bit about how leaders can achieve them? Yeah, I, I've got to step back before that a little bit in how the book came to be. And just over my years as a classroom teacher and then as a district administrator, and now um, the last seven years, I've been a full-time consultant. What I've noticed over and over are these silos that tend to happen between classroom leaders, building level leaders, and district level leaders. And you never think that's going to happen when you switch roles, but it tends to always do that. And I I don't like that because I feel like once we get into different roles, either classroom teachers um, don't really understand why building leaders or district leaders make the decisions they make, but also once you're removed long enough, you kind of forget why classroom teachers make the decisions that they make. And so we need to make sure that we're keeping those lines transparent between the different roles of leadership. So that was one of the reasons why I wrote it. And 
And actually, when I started writing it, it was in three parts, leading from the classroom, leading from the building, and leading in and from the district. And Solution Tree is my publisher, and they're very hands-on editors, which is a really good thing, but they helped me restructure it all. And the editor that I was working with originally came and said, I want you to write it around leadership traits and talk about how those play a part in all leadership positions within a school district. And my initial thought was there's a million books out there about leadership qualities. Like, I don't want to write that because nobody's going to want to read it when we've already, it's saturated. And so the nice part was then they helped me be able to see how my original vision could be written and structured around that. So I had to do a lot of just reflecting on what I feel like are the best qualities of leaders at every level. So what they came out were leaders are relational, leaders have integrity, leaders are lifelong learners, they're innovative, and they're flexible. Those are the um, five qualities that I think play a part in both leading in the classroom, building, and district level. Janelle, as you landed on those five areas, and I appreciate the background on how the book developed and for you even to see the possibility that you could you know, really right in this space that, and you're, you know, you're right, that it has a lot of content already. Of those five traits, can you talk about, you know, which ones may come more natural to us, which ones are harder to develop? And if so, like, do you tier them at all? Are they all equally the same? Or should we, you know, approach them differently as, you know, skills? So I think that's a great question, and it actually kind of leads into the way the book is structured. So at the very, it's very practical. I'll just say I had somebody reach out to me after they read it, and they're like, this is set up for a book study, and we don't even have to do anything to prep for it. We can just get together. And it's true. There's lots of reflective questions built in, but there's also personalized plans that you can complete as you read it. So it's structured to be from beginning to end, but it doesn't have to be. So if you know an area that you struggle in is being flexible in your leadership style, skip to the flexibility chapter. There's a goal setting form in there that actually helps you break down action steps to achieve that goal. And so I always tell people, start with your area of need. Don't start with the low hanging fruit. You're probably already good at that. Like my area I excel at is building relationships. I'm not going to start with that. I already do that pretty well. One of the things that I struggle, like I would say that I would need to work in the most is being innovative in the way I think. And it's really more about like spending time to get outside of the box to really think through all the different possibilities. And I had a principal leader, um, Dr. Mike Earnshaw, write the intro to that. So I picked different education leaders that I really respect and that I know excel in those different traits, write intros to each chapter. So he does some really, really awesome approaches at how he leads uh, faculty meetings at his school. And I've not been a building level leader. I went from classroom to district level. And so that was something I had never really thought about was how to restructure faculty meetings at a school level. So it was really great to get his perspective, but that's just one tiny little slice of how to be innovative in educational leadership. So personally, I don't wanna rank them because I think it's, it's individual for each person. So really spending time reflecting on where you are as a leader and where you want to be is how you'll navigate through the resources in the book. I'll also say, people that are on here can see this, but the people at, at home listening can't. It's a short read. If you had a weekend, you could get through it. If you don't, it's one of those that's fairly easy to be able to pick up and read just however much time you have and be able to really put as much thought into it as you want. So like I said, if you're really wanting to focus on being relational, 
spend as much time going back and marking up and thinking through that chapter as you want. And then you can read other ones faster if you want to. So that's, that's one of the things I think is unique is that it really is tailored to be personalized in how you approach it and how you apply it. Thanks for that, Janelle. I'm wondering as you're talking about the book, the way it's structured and just the way that leaders can use it to, it sounds like improve their own practice, reflect on what they're doing well. You know, a lot of the literature out there is, you know, says to start with your strengths, strengthen your strengths, strengths-based approach. You know, Joe and I don't fully subscribe to that because we believe people need feedback on their weaknesses and to work on their weaknesses. It sounds like you would agree with that. Can you comment on that just from a, a capacity building perspective and, you know, leading with your strengths, but also working on the things that you know you're, you're weak in or need to improve? Yeah, totally. And being a lifelong learner is in the, you know, one of those traits in the book that I think we all need to make sure that we do too. So obviously I think I'm, I'm good at building relationships. That doesn't mean I'm going to stop learning and fostering that. If I just decided to become a hermit during COVID and not interact with people, you know, that would have been bad. That, that would have made my relational skills suffer. So I definitely think you need to continue working on your, on your strong areas, but I also know we all have limited time for personal growth. And so I want to maximize the amount of time that I set aside for my own growth. And so in order to do that, I need to focus on my areas of need. And maybe I'm not going to go for the one that's the hardest to start with. If that seems overwhelming, I might choose one that's kind of in the middle. But I do think that's a good practice to start with, too, to even just look at the five traits and rank them one to five on your, your strongest area to your weakest, and then decide which one feels the best to start with for your first step in that growth. You know, growing as a, just as an individual is so hard because, you know, I also find that, you know, we, we try to develop in some of the intangible ways and you know, it's hard to like monitor or quantify like, oh, I'm different now than I was on Monday. And as you grow as a leader it can even become, you know, just kind of frustrating and so on. Like, what advice do you have for people that are growing are looking to build in these areas? Like, what steps do you recommend they take? I mean, it's the whole reason why we have this show and why we have people that come back month after month after month, because they want to grow. What is that, that process look like? And what advice do you have for people along that journey mm -hmm. of growing? So I think your like growth always has to start with reflection because we've got to spend time personally thinking through where we are and being like brutally honest with ourselves. And some people are great at reflecting individually. Some people need someone to talk to. So if I have a reflection partner, that doesn't mean that like if I'm going to invite Joe to be my partner, that doesn't mean, Joe, I expect you to tell me anything. You just have to sit and listen, like really. And if I ask questions, that's great to have feedback, but it's really because I'm a verbal processor. Some people are going to be more of a visual processor where you can sketch it, you can write it, you can bullet point it. Um, but the point is to find time to reflect and then to create that goal, whatever that goal statement is. And we've probably all written a million smart goals in our career. And I kind of used to cringe at that, but I do think that those are one of the, the best goals structures to use in order to make sure that it's measurable and attainable. But then I cannot stress enough the importance of an action plan because a goal doesn't do any good if I don't know how to achieve it. 
So I do this with the people I work with personally all the time. And then also for myself, I only need one or two action steps to start with. I don't have to have a full fledged plan in place. I just have to have that first step that I have to take. And I personally find it helpful to have a due date. So by this date, I'm going to do this. And then another column might be who or what do I need to help me reach the step? So what resources are necessary? It might be a book to read, a podcast to listen to, a person to talk to. I might want to walk over and see somebody's classroom because I know they're doing something really cool. So it might be that. Just determining what you need in order to achieve that. After I reach that action step, then I'm going to write my next action step with a due date. And so that action plan just kind of be building as you go. And then I'm also, that I'm going to say reflection again. You can't just reflect at the beginning. You've got to schedule in intentional reflection. When I first moved from the classroom level to the district level, and then I did this again when I moved from that position into a consultant, I was trying to figure out this new role all by myself. I didn't have any other curriculum directors at my tiny district. I was the only one and it was a brand new position. So I set aside every Monday at eight o'clock. That was my reflection time. And then as a consultant, I actually brought in, I just called it a thought partner, but somebody who had been a consultant for longer than I was. And we just scheduled regular calls to reflect. And I had to do that because if I just said I would do it, it just didn't happen. You guys know how priorities get pushed down. So I had to put it on my calendar to sit and reflect and then write more action steps. That's great advice. I mean, super great advice. And I'm, I'm hoping somebody on the call right now is tweeting out growth always starts with reflection and, and tagging you to it, because I think that's really important. I'm wondering, though, if I want to go, if I want to kind of like double click a little bit further into this conversation about reflection, if you don't mind, because it's one thing, I mean, it's, it's awesome to schedule the reflection, to have that built in. I think leaders are going to take a lot away from that in terms of what to do. But then I wonder if you could talk a little bit more about the structure of that or any protocols that you might have, because I feel like for me, I could schedule reflection time and then look at LinkedIn all the entire time that I had scheduled for that because I wouldn't know what to do to begin my, my actual reflection. So can you talk about how you begin that? Is there a sequence? Is there a protocol? Yeah. So there's, there are actually a lot of protocols that I use with both students, teachers, and administrators when I work through coaching sessions with them. And they're ones that I apply to myself then as well, but something as simple as what's working and then what's not like you can start with something that simple where you're just going to go through, what have I done that it has worked and is exciting or what hasn't, or has been a challenge or what questions do I still have? Just some simple questions. It doesn't have to be complicated. It doesn't have to be an hour. It can be 10 minutes. It can be 15 minutes. And I think you got to give yourself permission for that too, because again, we've got, we've all got limited time and maybe your reflection is a voice note to yourself as you're driving home from school or you know, a phone call to whoever your accountability partner is when you're commuting somewhere. It can, it doesn't have to be complicated. And I think that's where we get bogged down as educators because we always think things academically. So we think like, I've got to fill out this form or I've got to do, you know, this and do it if that's what works best for you, but it doesn't have to. I'm a big proponent of doing this in classrooms. So if we've got classroom leaders listening making sure you set intentional reflection time for your students, for students to reflect as well, because whatever we're doing at our level, we want to make sure we're modeling for students to do as well. 
And another simple protocol is just a three, two, one, like three things I've learned over the last week or two weeks, whenever your last reflection was two questions I still have or two things that aren't quite working right. And then one thing I'm going to apply next. So that's another quick, easy protocol. As far as just like action steps, TJ, putting your phone on, do not disturb, closing out other tabs or opening up a separate window if you're going to do it through like on a computer, just really setting up your workspace so that you can be intentional too and, and avoid the distractions. I want to make sure that we've captured a couple things, Chanel, that you've mentioned. First, you did say accountability, buddy. I think that's important for people to recognize. Would you mind just explaining you know, maybe the relationship you have with someone real quick, an accountability buddy, because I think that's crucial and often overlooked, but I've heard a lot of people that I respect also say, I have an accountability buddy. Yeah. And I would call them accountability buddy. I would call them a thought partner. I would call them a coach. I think everybody at every level needs a coach, whether it's something formal that your school district's um, providing that you're seeking out on your own or something that's not formalized. You can call it whatever you want, but I have a thought partner right now. I've worked with her since I started working in consulting. So for the last almost seven years, talked to her this morning. She's somebody that sometimes we'll read books together and we'll kind of do a book study almost like that. But right now she really is almost operating as a mentor for me. And I feel like that relationship goes both ways. So it doesn't have to be somebody that you feel like has all this more knowledge. It can be somebody that is a peer that you can just process stuff with. I think the biggest point is it has to be someone that you can trust. I honestly don't think that your accountability partner has to be an educator. It just has to be somebody who understands growth mindset so that they understand what you're working towards and be willing to listen. It could be somebody in any position in any industry. Yeah, that's absolutely terrific. And one other part to that, I want to make sure we also note was like the, just the three, two, one, you know, I I've seen that three, two, one, and I know TJ's familiar with this is uh, like three things you're grateful for two things you want to achieve in a day. And then the one is the, almost like the nighttime reflection of what is one thing you wish would have went a little better. Um, so I've seen that structure in the five-minute journal. I'm taking a little liberty. I'm sure TJ sees that liberty a little bit, but essentially that's what it does. And I, I like that framework, but those are two things I, I just did not want people to miss that you mentioned very quick that I think are powerful, that are often easily said, but easily overlooked as well. I agree. And I like that you gave that variation because I think that is a key thing to think about too, is there doesn't have to be any set structure. It just has to work for you. So whatever the prompt is, whatever the protocol is, whatever the platform is that you're doing your reflection through just has to work for you. I'm wondering too, as you talk about accountability, partnership, working in schools, having a coach and the coaching that you do, I'm going to flip it a little bit here. We talked about the five qualities that leaders should have and, you know, ranking them, picking which ones you want to work on, the one that you're most comfortable working on. I really kind of like the way you phrase that, not just picking the one that's the lowest in the rank, but the one you feel most comfortable starting to work on so that we all have an access and entry point to our own leadership development. But as you go around in schools and console and speak, are you seeing any 
themes in the mishaps that we're making and, and the strides that we should make towards something that I just see this happen all the time. And it's, it, it's something I'm coaching a lot of people on this one similar thing. So interestingly, from the very beginning, and I have to say that I work full-time with a company now called Advanced Learning Partnerships that I must have given you like a, a bio that wasn't quite up to date, but everything we do is personalized. Like all of our coaching is one-on-one and each person gets to identify that goal. Now, we usually use a district initiative to help frame it. So they might have a common language document, like a portrait of a graduate or a learning profile, a learner profile that we'll use to help spark that goal. But if it is straight up one-on-one leadership coaching, we do something very similar to with my book. And so I'm not really seeing, it's very personalized. I will say overall right now, a lot of what we're hearing are a lot of building and district level leaders are saying teachers can't do any more professional learning. But what we're hearing from teachers is we need it and we want it. And so right now there's a little bit of communication breakdown and I, I value the building and district levels trying to protect their teachers from being like overwhelmed by one more thing. But that's where those silos end up getting into place again and we're not having the communication. I think what, what people can't handle is mandated blanket PD that doesn't necessarily fit everybody. But what people are wanting and needing is opportunities for their own growth that actually mean something to them authentically which again is why I love coaching. <laughs> and along those lines, Janelle, are there other tools, like especially within the area of coaching, a resource that you really find beneficial? I mean, obviously the advanced learning partnerships will have to link to that and, and show, I like how you just mentioned about the goal and how that takes a, a district initiative or something, but are there additional resources or tools that you really see as beneficial to support leadership at those levels you're describing? So I'm going to tell you the, and this is going to sound self-serving, but Solution Tree has all the reproducibles from my book available for free on their website. And those are, you've got your coaching forms in there. They're the forms that I would use with building level, district level, classroom level leaders right now. So those would be just as easy and accessible as anything else. And you only have to go to one place to find them as as opposed to just going out and searching randomly. On top of that, if you're talking about classroom level leadership, that's specific to benefiting student-driven growth, student empowerment. I love the Henrico learner profile progression. Henrico is a district in Virginia and they have been one-to-one since 2000. So like well before anybody else was thinking about digital integration, they did it for the entire district. So they've spent a lot of years and iterations on developing a learner profile. But beyond that, because a lot of districts develop something like a learner profile or a portrait of a graduate, but they don't develop the progression and that makes it really hard to integrate into the classroom. They've got this full progression out there available for free to the public that includes the progression from both a student behavior look and a teacher facilitator look, but then they have resources that go with each one of those competencies and they're like critical thinker, creative thinker, community contributor, collaborator, those um, like future ready skills that we want our students to have. So something like that kind of a guiding document, I think is great for people that just want something to help guide their growth. Now, see, I have a special power of knowing when people go to Google and they type something in, and I watched all the people on this call go and do that. 
so you're all busted. Uh, but I can tell that you're you're Googling the Enrico Learner profile progression, and we'll make sure we link to that in the show notes. So thank you for that. I love the reference to portrait of a graduate, and I want to stick on the topic of resources, if you don't mind. You mentioned the fact that the person who you follow or have as a, an accountability partner doesn't have to be an educator. Are there any folks who you follow outside of education names that you would say, you know, this is a, you know, I, I get research from here or I get inspiration from here, non-educator non type of things. Um, people uh, who listen to Focus Ed love that. Yeah, two people that I've read their, um, some of their books, I've listened to their podcasts, um, Brene Brown, which probably almost everybody's heard of. Um, I value her leadership style. She's very much like a servant relational leader, which resonates with me in my own personal leadership style. And then Todd Henry wrote the book Herding Tigers, and he is in marketing. And Herding Tigers is all about leading creatives. And I wish I could show my copy of the book to everybody because in the margins, I've got classroom leadership, school leadership, district leadership. This is how you would do this here. And even though it's all about helping lead people at a marketing firm, it applies directly to leading in a school district too. You know, could you, and this is probably to satisfy my my own uh, urge here. Can you just tell us why you love Brene Brown? I think because she's real and she writes the way I, the way I write in my blog. And I'm going to, I'm going to quantify it like that because she has the power to write however she wants with the level of well-knownness that she's achieved. That's not because I don't think that's the word, but you get what I'm saying. Whereas when I'm writing for the education industry, I still have to provide the research that backs up why I think what I think. But on my blog, I can write however I want to. And so I write very narratively and I, I like books that read like that. And so I think that's why I like the way she writes is because it's real. Um, same with her podcasts. They're very pretty like gritty sometimes. And I just like that instead of it being really rigid, I don't fall asleep reading her books. <laughs> no, I, I truly appreciate you saying that. And I ask because TJ and I have interviewed countless people at this point. I think we're probably close to over a hundred and her name by far is probably the most mentioned. And she, you know, she has been on the scene for not that long, right? I mean, she just came out not too long ago, really. But I think to your point, people love her work. It resonates. Uh, it is real. And I feel like it's also very gender neutral. You know, yeah. it doesn't matter if you're a man, a man or woman, like people, like whether, whether you're reading as a leader, like as you see yourself in your family or business, I really was considering Atlas of the Heart to be a book study in the district I'm in. Just because I think people would, that would resonate with people right now. So and thank you for that. that. That's a little off the beaten track, but I, I always am curious on what draws, you know, Brene to people. So and she was you. recommended to me as a personal read, not anything to do with my profession years ago. So that's really what started. And, and then you do read it through a different lens when you're reading it professionally, but personally anyway. And I think in addition to being gender neutral, it's industry agnostic. So it works for anything, any area that you want it to apply in. Yeah, I agree. Thank you. And I have not watched her, her talk on Netflix yet. I think it's Netflix. Yeah, yeah she has good. a talk on Netflix. I can't increase the speed on Netflix. So 
audible has ruined my life that I want everything a little faster. And so because I can't do that on Netflix, I, I haven't watched it yet. I, that's, I probably shouldn't be admitting that, uh, but it's an issue in my life at this point. Janelle, for you to think you've made a, a larger impact, you know, continuing to tribute, I'm sure leaving the district, becoming a consultant, those are massive decisions that you have to make. And I, I find that a lot of times you're often under the umbrella of influence. You know, you go into education influence, you go into leadership positions influence. And I'm sure that had something to do your decision to move into the consultancy full time. But for you to continue to think you're making the greatest impact, um, what does the next few years look like for you? So I absolutely love what I get to do with advancing partnerships. I'm invigorated almost daily. We all have those days, right? But I would say almost daily, I get to share my passion for what I do with people. And I think that is what I want to have the greatest impact. No matter where I'm serving, I want to be able to share the passion for what I do and build other educators up. I remember when I moved from the classroom to uh, the, the district level and somebody outside of education goes, oh, you got a promotion. And I go, no, like, I don't look at it like that. We're all serving in the capacity that we're supposed to be at the moment. And I didn't feel like I was any higher than a classroom teacher when I was at a district level, I was just serving in a different capacity. And um, those were major decisions. And actually the hardest decision was leaving the classroom to go to an administrator position because I was really fearful of missing the kids. And I'll say that that's one of the things that I absolutely love about my job now is when I get to go back into the classroom and um, still interact with the kids. But on top of that, I'm still teaching because I'm working with educators at different levels. And I do kind of look at when I was in a classroom teacher, I was impacting the kids in my class. And that had such an emotional influence in my life, right? Because you're making such really, really intimate connections with the kids that you have all day long. I was an elementary teacher in case that didn't come through in that little thing there. Um, but then at the district level, it helped me wrap my head around that, okay, even though I'm not getting my kids and my time with these students that really mattered to me, I'm getting to influence the teachers across this whole district because I did provide most of the professional development for um, my district at that point. So that's how I kind of rectified it in my mind that I'm still creating an impact. And now it's at a broader, not necessarily deep, but a broader level. And as a consultant, I get to do that even more. I've worked in almost 50 districts now um, all over the United States, gotten to go work with teachers in Mexico once. And so my impact continues to broaden and what I'm wanting to do is empower the people that are having the deep influence and deep impact on our students and our teachers daily. That's, that's great. Thank you for sharing that and broadening the, broadening the impact. I think a lot of us feel the same way in terms of the change that we seek to make in, in this noble profession. I, I was, I'm wondering, though, I think, you know, as, you, as we wrap up the interview and you're thinking about, you know, leadership and the impact that you want to make and the books that you've read and just the ones that you've recommended here. Is there a book or a title that isn't out there that you wish someone would write or maybe one that you're thinking about writing next? So I'll tell you when I was in the end stages of writing this book, I told people I'm never writing another one. Like it's just so much work. And I felt like I was a good writer until this process. And then you feel like you're in high school English class again. But 
already, as I wrote down, I reflected at the end of 2021 and wrote my list and goals for 2022. And there's a book that I've had in my mind since the end of 2019 that I still feel like has a, a place and it's driving purpose, uh, purposeful growth. So a lot of it is what we've talked about today, but is really more focused on each individual person and how it's up to us to guide our own purposeful growth in life. Driving Purposeful Growth. That's a great title. We'll, we can't wait to, to see that on the shelves and grab it and have you come back on the show and talk about it and give away 10 copies, which I think we're going to do here in a couple of minutes. You know, this has been fantastic. We really appreciate your time. All of what you've brought to the show has been excellent today. Lots to take away as for our leaders, for our listeners. Is there anything else that you would like to add just as a final thought or comment for, for those listening today? I think my final comment just is what the, the overall theme is of my book is that every educator is a leader, not necessarily a good one. We all know that, like if we're being real, but it's up to every educator to grow and develop as a leader, regardless of where you're serving or how you're serving. And so just finding the ways and the methods to feed your own growth. Lead your own growth. You heard it here, folks. Another fantastic podcast here on Focus Ed, Janelle McLaughlin. Everyone, have a virtual round of applause from our online audience here. Don't forget to follow the schoolhouse302.com for podcasts, blog posts, books to read, and more. We'll be back soon with another episode of Focus Ed. Until then, stay focused. And now a word from our sponsors. Hey, Joe, you know what leaders need these days? What's that, TJ? Sleep, a good night's rest, self-care. We've heard it over and over and over again from our guests on the podcast that you can't pour from an empty cup. Leaders need sleep. One of the number one ways you can replenish yourself and lead better is a good night's sleep. I hear you, but you know what? I'm so tired. I don't even like thinking about you know getting a good night's sleep. But, you know, do tell, how do we go about getting better sleep? Well, I think that's part of your problem is you need a better bed. It always starts with the bed. That's why we recommend GhostBed, our sponsor, with 30,000-plus five-star reviews. Their patented sleep and cooling technology gets you to sleep faster and longer than any other bed. That's right. And their handcrafted mattresses come with a 101-night at-home sleep trial and a two times the industry standard warranty. They're absolutely certain that their beds will work for you. And with free shipping within 24 hours of your purchase, it's fantastic support from the company. And guess what? Just for being a listener at the Schoolhouse 302, you get 30% off with the use of our code SH302 at checkout. You go to ghostbed.com, you get some sleep so that you can lead better and grow faster. You use SH302 at checkout. Absolutely. And last thing, even if you don't need a bed, you're thinking, wow, I would love to try out Ghostbed, but I just bought a bed. Refer someone else for a bed at ghostbed.com. You'll get a hundred bucks for helping someone else get a good night's rest. Wow, that's 30% off with SH302 code at ghostbed.com. A hundred bucks for your referral if you get somebody else a good night's sleep. Better sleep for you, better leadership. Ghostbed.com, you can't beat it. Ghostbed.com. 
Thank you.